With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. 6.5% was it? Is, is that what the current odds are of the Stanley Cup? Well, and you, if you look at the round-by-round round progression, the Stanley Cup favorite is uh-huh. the Vancouver Canucks. Like, what a time to be alive! I- Talking you through every goalie controversy, scoring slump, and draft lottery bust, this is the C4 Podcast on CanucksHockeyBlog.com. Here they are, the best starting lineup we could afford under the salary cap. Chris, Matt, Anna, and Adam. Welcome to another episode of the C4 Canucks Hockey Podcast, brought to you by the Full Press Covered Network, CanucksHockeyBlog.com. I am Chris at Lightforce, joined virtually by Anna Forsyth at a Forsyth 3 It is just the two of us. Uh, Mattley at Mattley underscore 61 is a healthy scratch today, and all we can tell you is he is unfit to podcast. Continuing to remain on LTIR and not even inside of the bubble is, in the words of the great Anna Forsyth, who wrote this rundown herself, he is our very own version of Sven Barchi, Mr. Adam Ovenel Carter at Adam F-O-C. I'm yeah. like almost reading it verbatim. Like he, that's how he, good it was. That's all I can assume is that he objected. He jacked so hard to hockey coming back that he's just not even podcasting. So, like, does this mean, though, like, if we imply that he's our very own Sven Barchi, that he's going to go and find his way to another team next season? Like, you're going to tune into, like, I don't know, Canucks Conversation, and Adam O.C. is going to be on there with quads in favor? Like, Well, like with Sven Barchi, wish him all the best with that, but I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> But it is just the two of us podcasting from uh, the end of, or start of, I don't know, I guess I'd look at it, the heat wave in the West Coast here. It's it's not one that uh, we're accustomed to. And let's be honest, very rarely are we podcasting this time of year at all. And on what is currently a holiday here out in BC, it is BC Day. So it's a special edition of the C4 Canucks Hockey Podcast. But considering hockey just returned and the fact that the Vancouver Canucks had a game, we thought it was important to to get together and talk a little bit about it. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a bit too long if we leave it another week, hey? Well, spoiler alert, if you somehow missed the game, you know, put on those earmuffs. If we don't record this week, there's a possibility that by the time <laughs> we record next week, the Canucks are no longer playing. Uh, and I'm not trying to be down on the team after one game, but the play-in is going to happen fast and hard, and it is conceivable that this is now a possibility. So we're going to talk a little bit about that rough start that the Vancouver Canucks uh, had against the Minnesota Wild, uh, share a few of our thoughts and opinions. The uh, phenomenal analysis, and I say phenomenal loosely because, hey, let's be real, it's Anna and I, and we're going to go completely off the rails. At some point, we're going to talk about, like, Youngblood, the movie. Who knows? Uh, but we'll talk about the Vancouver Canucks matchup against the Wild. We'll talk about what we see happening going into Game 2, which could be happening momentarily if you're listening to this podcast uh, when it goes live but uh we'll also find other things to talk about like there's other obviously hockey happening it's not just vancouver minnesota playing for the stanley cup quite yet uh there's a lot going on in the world uh regards to social justice uh but one thing i actually wanted to sort of touch on before we get into the full episode is uh the launch of a new podcast that uh, is really heating up the airways um I can't imagine those of you who currently listen to C4 have not heard about the Broadscast, but I wanted to actually uh, to give them uh, some props for their, their first episode, if you haven't heard it yet, launched last week. So they had a teaser episode, but then they had the full episode on the Friday. Right. And uh, I was thoroughly entertained. I, I didn't know going into it, sort of what to expect. I didn't know what the, how they would approach. I, I thought they were going to have fun, and that was proven to be true. Uh, but, you know... There are some times when things get overhyped, and I'm not trying to take away from the hype that the broadcast had going into this episode, but for some people, there mm -hmm. was probably a significant high bar when it came to expectations, and I feel that they met that bar. Right, yeah, like, I, I mean, I felt that way on several movies and TV shows where you just hear about it too much beforehand, and then you go in, and even if it's perfectly good, um, yeah, it doesn't quite meet that. I actually haven't got to it yet like i will show you now it's next up Ooh, on... i can see it on the phone so um yeah just cr with cricket coming back i'm a little bit behind but i have heard the preview which i loved mm -hmm. um i met a few of these girls in person actually at the international women's day um canucks meetup they're already my favorite people they're my favorite people to talk to on twitter besides obviously the sequel crew well i was gonna um, ask like where has that bumped me down now i mean i'd understand if it did but no no you're still good for now for okay. now okay <laughs> but good. like i i just love the fact that it's doing something extra something different um and just getting female voices heard and as a female voice on a podcast i know that we uh kind of few and far between and i know what mm -hmm. it's like being as well on social media as a woman in sports and just to shine a light on that but also do it in a fun way i really enjoy mm -hmm. um i've been a fan of the too many men podcast but honestly like as much as i love that show and i really do i've been a bit eccentric obviously it is it's three writers in the east so mm -hmm. to have writers in the local women in the local market do it that's just yeah. an added bonus for me well the, i was actually thinking about this um you know uh, looking at sort of the canucks podcast scene i think one of the first podcasts that i i can even 
remember that had a a female host, like a consistent female host, would have been with Gita with Pucks on that. Uh, and I, I could very well be discounting or not remembering all the great Canucks podcasts out there, because let's also be equally honest. And the entire time that C4 has been available, there have been many podcasts that have come and gone. Yeah. Um, then sort of fast forwarding to some more recent times, I mean, you joining us here on C4, like you would come in as a guest a number of times. And, uh, you know, I've said this to you in the past, but every time you join as a guest, we go, we, we got to get Anna on like regularly. Let's get her in the seat. I mean, at that point we had 20 hosts, right? <laughs> Clay was still around and, and that, but I always felt that one, it was important to have a diverse, uh, sort of number of voices, I felt that that made a good podcast. It really wasn't about the the crack analysis or the you know encyclopedic right. knowledge. No, I mean, what we're, we're aiming for. We're no, like regular I, people in a pub. Exactly. I mean, I, I I remember someone asked me like, "What's your podcast supposed to be?" I'm like, "It's like yeah, regular people who are sitting at the bar talking hockey while watching the game. Like that that conversation is what this podcast is meant to be." And so, you know, you coming on board, you know, brought a much different voice than one that we didn't have, but also your extremely intelligent uh and that's that's not me trying to pump your tires i mean you follow the sport better than i ever have so i always viewed myself as the person who sort of brought the pieces together and got you know elevated by the people i have around me you know it's the smart way to go about it i'm lazy and help help someone pick you up you guys carry me all the time i know that but i think we're what we bring is that yeah we're all quite different you've been Mm -hmm. around since the year like, dot right and especially around canucks social media um yeah matt coming from originally within the sports like writing and reporting mm-hmm. side of things um just and then there's adam yeah i, I, <laughs> who I adam, don't even know who he is anymore but <laughs> who matt met up in sfu or something like that and follow along but yeah it's a very different thing again but yeah but the, we, know, with my weird Britishisms, you know. Yes. The the thing I sort of wanted to point out is there was always just sort of the 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 one voice. Like there was never that sort of that 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 dominant presence. And that's not to suggest that that was necessary, but for whatever reason or another, I, I don't know of a podcast um that that had a true, you know, um female centricity about it. Yeah, uh, I'm not taking anything away from yourself or Heidi on Hockey Podcast or or Samantha who's on the broadcast with Area 51. Yeah, I, these voices are strong and necessary, but I think the broadcast as a, a podcast is going to do some phenomenal things. And I, I'm going to go back just a few weeks ago when I can't remember if it was Samantha or, or whomever Vanessa, maybe someone had sort of said, "Oh, we need a sort of an all female podcast," and I immediately said, "Hey, Annie, you should." You know, I, I'm not trying to encourage you to leave, but I think you'd be a, a piece of, of that puzzle. And again, that's not trying to suggest that I want you to go. I don't. I would prefer that you want do everything, <laughs> stay with us. But, but I think that that was necessary. It was needed in the market. It'll be a good thing. And I, I applaud them after the first steps. I'm looking for more and more. Um, and and as I, I DM them, so hopefully I don't get to, you know. Yeah, but on our DM segment, though, if I am, I totally get it. Um, uh, I simply the advice I provided was have fun. And I think it's quite clear that they are. Yeah. Once you stop having fun, especially when it comes to podcasting, it becomes difficult to actually click the record button. It's not fun for the listeners. It, 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 it's unfortunate, but the lack of fun is what kills most podcasts and, and keeps them going. 
Yeah, I think because as you said, we have so many podcasts in this market. You've just got to offer something different. Like none of us are NHL insiders with several R's. So it's just about, mm-hmm. yeah, just making your own voice. And they're definitely doing that. So. Well- yeah, and I, you know, on that note, and this is something I have shared on, on social media, yes, there are a million Canucks podcasts out there. And for some, that's, you know, 999,999 too many. But I still feel there is opportunity for people, if they're interested in starting their own Canucks podcast, it's just go into it with your eyes open. Understand that you do need to provide a voice that might be different than others. That doesn't mean it has to be completely different. But what's important is that it's your own. Don't try to pretend to be someone else. Like C4, we've never tried to pretend to be Pucks on Net or the Legion of Blogcast, which is now Trust the Process, whatever sort of Wyatt and Jordan title or podcast of, of the day. And like, and they've been around just as, as long as, as C4 has. Like, again, we are who we are. We don't make moments about it. So if you're going to get into this and, you know, you use C4 as a, as a means like, oh, I think I can. That's phenomenal. Like Chris Faber sort of talked about in the last episode how yeah. we got him through some, t- you know, some tough nights, days and nights at the mill. And I know we weren't one of the only podcasts that he listened to. But he has actually talked about how, you know, listening to C4 and others sort of spurred me to go and do it. Now look at him. And this is a guy who's, you know, disarming, you know, professional (laughs) hockey players. uh, He made Quinn Hughes smile. So, yeah, I mean, what an achievement. You know, next thing you know, you'll tell me he can make Louis Erickson smile too. And we'll be like, man, this guy's a hockey whisperer. But, uh, you know, enough of that. Let's let's take a quick break here and uh, dive into Rewind. So I'm going to put Faber on blast as I have uh, on Twitter already multiple times. This is a guy who predicted that the Vancouver Canucks were going to sweep the Minnesota Wild. Now he broke down the reasons as to why he felt the Vancouver Canucks would dominate the Minnesota Wild and in turn sweep them. And I will be the first to point out that the Vancouver Canucks did nothing as to what he suggested they needed to do to get the win. As a result, the Vancouver Canucks lost. Now, I know there are many people out there in the Smealosphere, some of you who might be listeners of our podcast, who would say, oh, it's those darn referees, you know, not calling the penalties that need to be called. Uh, Pedersen got beat around at one point. Uh, Bieksa, who was doing, uh, you know, the international sort of roundtable, uh, dropped the Berkey quote that Pedersen is not Swedish for punch me, slash me, kick me, push me, mm-hmm. whatever. But looking at that game, yeah, well, the Vancouver Canucks may have needed a special teams advantage, that can't be what they're going to rely on to win play in hockey, which may or may not be playoff hockey, depending on which version of the NHL release you believe. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about playoffs, raffing standards, yeah. The number of times that the players, the pundits, like everyone on TV said that this was playoffs hockey. And every single time I'm going, it's not playoffs. We didn't make it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're absolutely right that you can't even hold it together five on five. The penalty killing, which has been a strength in the past, sucks. Um, so we can't be relying on that power play. Well, the thing about sort of relying on the power play, you look at the play-in series so far. So all teams have had a game. There's a few more going on today for sort of their second game. The thought was that the penalty kill would have the advantage. Teams have had a lot of time to rest, recover, as well as prepare, plan, uh, but it's been the reverse. Power play seems to dominate. Special teams is pr- producing points. 
So you could argue that in the case of the Minnesota Wild, Vancouver Canucks, the Minnesota Wild got opportunities they produced. The Vancouver Canucks got, well, one and a half opportunities. And I'm going to say half because it truly wasn't and didn't. And then you might say, oh, well, the referees just aren't giving the Vancouver Canucks calls. I don't know any call outside of maybe the Staylock trip that was soft against the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, and, you know, you see up on replay, yeah, that, that that's a penalty. I mean, even in early round, early stage playoffs, that would be a penalty. And yet I didn't see anything that the Wild did that deservedly was, you know, clearly a penalty. Like, not to suggest that if it was called, it's sort of, it's that 50-50. Right. I think, I think it's definitely true that PD got pushed around a bit. But that's as much on the refs as the Canucks in leaving PD to get pushed around. Yeah. Um, and Canucks were ill-disciplined in the worst way. They weren't, you know, getting penalties because they were standing up for their teammate or like trying to get um, the physical edge on the other team. It was just well, like clumsy. Rooster at one po- Rooster at one point, you know, is, is standing over top of a wild player who he has already gone and you know ragdolled to the ice after the whistle, and then proceeds to taunt. Like I at that point after yeah. that play, there was no no penalties called, but in my mind, I'm like, oh, the referee's going to go and take Rooster and, and send him to the sin bin. Uh, you got Furlan, who yes, his stick was being held, but his response is to spear a player on the bench. You can't yeah. do that stuff. And the reason that the Wild were starting to go and, you know, commit, you know, such egregious tactics is they could clearly see that they were in the minds of these Canucks players. I I was actually sort of thinking this sort of harkens back to the Vancouver Canucks playoff series against the St. Louis Blues, which was the predecessor to the last time the Canucks placed Minnesota Wild in the playoffs. During that series, the Vancouver Canucks got in the minds of the St. Louis Blues bench. In fact, for those that recall, there was a caught on hot mic moment where Kessler and the exit, I think Burroughs were asking how Kelly was and here she's a real nice gal. Oh, that's from then. Okay. Yeah. So the Vancouver Canucks were, were doing things to really get under the skin of the blues. The blues were undisciplined and the Vancouver Canucks took advantage. This is like the role reversed. And you, you, you talk about discipline. The Canucks did not look like a disciplined team. Now let's actually talk sort of about the the play on the ice. There were two special teams goals from the wild. They scored on two power play relatively quick, but neither one of those goals truly looked good. No. Like Marky, yeah, okay, it's a big blast, but Marky needs to stop that first shot that squeaks through him. And I'll give him credit. He did make some huge saves after the fact, but then the second goal where Edler, and again, I still don't understand how you have Edler above Demko in the goaltending depth chart, Edler goes to play low, but doesn't, leaves his legs up. Markey sees that Edler's going down and presumes Edler's got the ice, so I'll play high. And it was the most comedic goal where yeah. both, both players, Edler and Markstrom, are actually holding their legs up off the ice, allowing it to go slowly Yeah, through. shepherding the puck through their legs there. Oh. I mean, it was frustrating, and it's especially frustrating as we've seen Markstrom just have those goals just and make those saves time and time again throughout the season. I will say that, you know, there were, it's not like there were good goals, but they were both when Canucks were on the back foot from giving up dumb penalties. So it's hard to completely blame Markstrom no, for I, the, the, getting behind when, yeah, 
in the first place, you know, giving up a too many men penalty on a okay. so delay one, penalty. How do you that, do that? Well, not only that, the referee's arm has been up for about, um, you know, an hour. That's mm-hmm. how long that the Canucks currently have control of the puck in their zone. No one is letting Markstrom know that he can get off the ice. How in a quiet barn Markstrom isn't getting this type of communication behooves me. The Wild themselves, they've actually already almost accepted that the Vancouver Canucks are going to try to get the goaltender off to get the extra attacker on. So they've gone and played, you know, not the trap. They, they're going to plug up the, the neutral zone. And at some point, Markstrom finally hears, oh, hey, he needs to get off the ice. The problem is the goal, the player that's going to go and replace him has already jumped over the boards and is standing by the door, like waiting. Markstrom gets to the bench and suddenly the Vancouver Canucks decide to send another player onto the ice. They, they actually had, I think it was eight players, including Markstrom, still skate mm. on ice. So they don't even get the, the power play there. Like it, Again, that's the type of stuff you can't make mistakes in a playoff style frame of hockey and you might go and discount that well chris like hey look how long it's been you know they're uh you're a little out of sync okay sure i completely get it but we didn't see that type of problem from the wild and having watched a, a number of the games in this play-in series yes team some teams are making mistakes but you can clearly tell the ones that are are getting punished for them yeah completely and i think the frustrating thing was the people like Markstrom who were so used to not making these mistakes were that that top six who were used to dominating games mm-hmm. um, and none more so than JT Miller like was just a step off. Like JT Miller's passing was rough. His, his passing was rough, but I would give credit to Miller actually. Like he had a couple of solid opportunities um, but yeah, his passing was there to fully, I think was dressed to play. <laughs> yeah. Like, he seemed to I'm, be, you know, back in LA already. Uh, now Petey was on the ice and in fairness to him, the Minnesota wild clearly identified when Pedersen was to, on the ice to ensure that they got the matchup they wanted. And the instructions were to a player is if Petey's in the ice, ensure that you, um, hand deliver him an invitation to a get together uh, that we're going to have. And if he has yet to RSVP, make sure you give him a reminder. Like he was being mugged and had essentially a buddy or a shadow throughout the game. But that's the most, uh, that's clearly what the world were going to do. Yeah. Like, but the fact Max that will have known that from the moment they got that matchup. Oh, it's coaching one oh one. Zone out PD. The Vancouver Canucks, though, are constructed to be a team that if you take advantage of a PD, we're going to take him. You're going to try to take him out of the play. We still have players on the ice that can punish you. And yeah, you're going to go and you know put two people on PD. Now you've given us almost a, a power play. Again, the Vancouver Canucks on this team are constructed to, in theory, accommodate that. But the players that are on the ice to do so couldn't, didn't. Uh, Besser seemed to. I mean, he was trying, but he seemed to want to be doing it all on his own. Like, yeah, it felt he's to trying to really be... hard to score. Yeah, and I was going to say Kessler-esque, and I know that that name might uh, ruffle a few feathers yeah. right now, but uh, Kessler back in his glory days with Vancouver Canucks-esque. The difference is that Kessler doing that bull in a china shop, Besser doing it, maybe not same same level of killer instinct. Mm. Um like there were, you know, it's just 
again, maybe it's just a, a bunch of guys that are all amped up wanting to play a little too excited. Um, then got a little too off their game plan with that sort of early goal. Uh, weren't guess necessarily getting the calls that they had thought they they'd get. And then obviously the Minnesota, well, they play a very structured game. Like, you know, contained. Didn't I say? Yeah, dead puck wild is the the talk about it. But that I actually I think yes, it is a structured style, and it was somewhat dead puck. But the wild were hustling, like yeah, they and every slow. Every turnover they got, you know, they made it count on the counter, which mm-hmm. Canucks were not doing at all. Well, in the second period, the Vancouver Canucks came out real well to kick off that period. Sure. Like, they truly came out. And then suddenly the Wild get a power play, and, uh, yeah, there's a goal. Like, it, it seemed that every time the Vancouver Canucks found a way to establish some momentum, they did something that empowered the Wild to punish them for a mistake. And that's where I think if the Vancouver Canucks are to have success in the series, and we'll get into it when we get a half full, half empty, is they need to mitigate the number of mistakes that they're making because the Wild are clearly a team that is looking to capitalize on it. It is maybe not Jacques Lemaire Wild, uh, where it's truly a cult where everyone bought into the system, but this is a team that is not built with the flash and the dash. They're built to capitalize on, on what little you provide. Yeah, I think so, because they have seen from the outset that they are mismatched skill-wise on the top end, Mm -hmm. Um, that their goaltending, you know, there's a difference there. But, you know, they've just made every, they've jumped on every mistake. They've played discipline in their own end. Um, Yeah, played within themselves and then capitalized on those opportunities. But yeah, the... I mean, the goaltending is something else. Like, well, Vancouver Canucks have a history of making uh, opposing goaltenders look like they're in the running for the Vezina. And Stalock, Stalock didn't have a lot of pressure, but he did make a few good saves. Like, there, I think it was JT Miller's shot that he did the around the world on. Um, yeah, there was another big save. Like, I mean, but that thing is, Markstrom made more big saves. He did, um, but Stalock just has that way of looking busy um and making every save big because he just comes charging out the net a lot of the time it's a crazy style but it was working but you just think charging out of the net markstrom charging almost to the blue line not once but twice he was inspired by staylock i think (laughs) well the first the first time turned out okay the second time turned out fine but the first time was that was very risky but yeah, no, I completely yeah had my heart in my mouth for those moments. But you got to think that that the Canucks can exploit that yeah. haphazard goaltending style. Yeah, true. Um, Hughes, he looked okay in his first professional playoff-ish game. Yeah, he he looked decent. Um, he kept fighting. He kept trying to find ways through. But just getting to the middle of the ice was just seemed very difficult for the Canucks. Well, and, that, and you can tell, like, the the Canucks were struggling to break the sort of dead puck defense in the neutral zone. There was a lot of dump and chase, and then Stalock would be there and intervene. They couldn't get that puck to die in the corner. Uh, the other part that sort of behooved me is sort of the coaching matchup, maybe not so much coaching matchup, the line matchup. Vancouver Canucks are, are needing energy. I completely get that. But late in the game, 
after a stoppage in play, you're trotting out your third line. Yeah, and it was a third line that was really struggling on the night too. Um, yeah, it often seemed to be that the, especially later in the game, that a lot of the better opportunities fell to the third and fourth line, and you just wish someone else was out there to finish those. Moves. Well, and in in fairness, when the like there were a number of times where the third line was out there and PD was double shifting, like that PD was getting opportunities, and I think that was Travis Green's attempt to try to give him space hoping that he could somehow beat the matchup to get Pedersen sort of engaged. Um, but there was a moment like late in the third period where it wasn't a PD on the ice with the third line. It was the third line. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to think who actually was on the ice after um, someone uh, pulled the, the light switch in the third period there. Uh, oh yeah. When they, um, when the Jantas tried to, and the game yeah. for the Canucks, they felt bad for us. Although someone pointed out it was ele- it was exactly 11 p.m. Mountain Time. So could it have been that the, the barn was on a timer and the lights turned off automatically? <laughs> yeah, it's just that curfew, maybe. But uh, no, it was just, you know, again, the, the type of coach that Green is, is to reward players who play, uh, you know, play hard, the blue collar style, put in the effort. Third line kind of was, but they were also equally worrisome on discipline, like, I, I'm not entirely sure this is the game type of game that you go and you, and you reward. It's not a regular season game. Yeah, but that's it is the thing. what it is. Um, I think we've briefly talked about this today in Discord. In the on the one hand, you don't want to panic, but on the other hand, we've got three games. You know, possibly we could be out by this time this next week if you don't change something. But I guess we're going to get into that. In the- yeah, half a lot. Uh, one final thing. Uh, Francesco was in the building. Yeah. Uh, live tweeting. He had like, what, six or seven tweets throughout the game. Uh, one of which he magically took a picture of himself with his arms crossed. Like he, It's like he staged the camera on like a gorilla, you know, stand or something. I'm sure that's what he did. Because he Francesco clearly tweets all his tweets. It is definitely him. It's definitely him. But... Um, it had me wondering, like, I get he's an owner. He could probably go wherever he wants, but he talked about driving to Edmonton. Yeah. And that part kind of found funny. Uh, one, that he drove. Two, that if that's the case, that he's getting to go into the stadium and within sort of this enclosed bubble-ish space. Again, he's an owner. He can kind of go where he wants, but I would imagine that they didn't you know, put the same rules and rigor. And Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily understand all of the rules as it break da- breaks down, but maybe that was a condition of him entering the bubble or the outer bubble Yeah, is that he couldn't fly. I don't know, but Who, well, no, and I, but that, yeah. And that, that could be actually on the, on the bubble part, like not flying, like would he fly commercial? Like even if it was in business class. Yeah. Good, good point. Good point. Anyway, uh, that's enough and rewind. Uh, we're going to take ourselves a short break before diving in half full, half empty. You're listening to the C4 Canucks hockey podcast on full press network and Canucks hockey blog.com. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Take hitting out of the game. You can't hit anymore, so don't do it. The unsportsmanlike conduct, I want to get an explanation on. No kidding. Because how do you get suspended for unsportsmanlike conduct? Plus interference. There's no interference there. He had the puck. Now, Madison never, ever did that before. Now, why did he do it? That Because he was mad. Well, your early favorite for the Calder <laughs> Trophy, that's for sure. Elias Pettersson, you might even say your early favorite for the Hart Trophy. Just to get back to your question, Elias is going to play plenty. He can play. He's going to get a lot of power play time. And, yeah, I'm concerned about our offense. We lost 200-point players, and we've got to find a way to score. Going into Game 2 against the Minnesota Wild, if there is one thing that you change about this Vancouver Canucks team or effort, what would it be? The Canucks part? Yeah. No, that's what the change would be. Ah. <laughs> um, it's hard to think of just one thing, um, really, because – but I'm going to pick one thing. Um, okay. on, I will get off the fence – um, pull the splinters out of my special places and say, um, reunite the lotto line. Why not? It'll make Brock happy. Um, it might create some chemistry um, that was severely lacking last night. Put a booster rocket up Tyler Toffoli's special place. There's everyone's special place is getting mm-hmm. involved here. You know, I'm surprised the lotto line didn't make an appearance, or it, I don't know if it actually did at all last night. Uh, and again, we're recording on Monday. A podcast comes live on Tuesday. Hockey happened on Sunday. But I am genuinely surprised that it didn't have a stronger presence late in the game. Like, you know, we think back to like even Willie brought together sort of the the top line and, and made that happen. Obviously, it included two players already in the Sedines, uh, but you know the idea behind it was that you were you would play who was hot to try to generate a chance. Whereas Travis seems to be much more rigid in his approach. Yeah, he throws lines into the blender, but he doesn't necessarily reunite the magic of of the past. So for me, I was actually going to say the one thing that I want from the Vancouver Canucks is discipline, which is again weird because. They aren't necessarily an undisciplined team, but they need to settle things down. I mean, you might argue, well, Chris, the one thing they need is to score, and that's true too, but their lack of discipline is going to punish them. If not against the Wild, if they magically were to go win game two and then continue on and and, and win the for three out of five, phenomenal. But playoff hockey is where undisciplined teams get exited real quick. The lack of discipline, even with the Boston Bruins in 2011, and I know that can be a a, a sore subject, the Bruins were still disciplined. Like they instigated a lot of the the problems that, you know, ultimately befell the teams that they they ran into, but they didn't go and, and put themselves in a position that made it easy for the opposition 
to then take advantage. So I think the Vancouver Canucks need to play a much more disciplined style. Like again, it's 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 focusing on the mental side, focusing on the fact that you're playing against a, a Minnesota Wild team who is slower than you, who is simply looking to capitalize on the mistakes. Making fewer mistakes provides the Wild fewer opportunities to capitalize. And again, I think Markstrom can provide a a solid effort, but. You're right. Maybe it, it does require more than one thing. Maybe it is a line combination. Or the conversation in Gate 16 today was the possibility that Jake Furtanen find his way in. Like we, I sort of floated the idea after watching the game where Ferlin goes and spears, I can't remember who it was, on the wild bench and thinking, oh, that might yeah. be how Jake gets into the game because Ferlin won't be able to play. Well, word has come down that, the, that Ferlin has simply been issued a $5,000 fine or fine, sorry. So again, does that mean Jake still finds a way in? Might it be a Louis Erickson that shows up to settle things down on the penalty kill and get the empty net goal that hopefully the Vancouver Canucks get the opportunity to score? Uh, yeah. I mean, it seems bizarre that you would in not quite desperate, but in times of need turn to Louis Erickson. That would just be the most Vancouver thing ever, especially well, if it worked. I'm suggest like so. This is the thing though is that we let's look at the, the top two lines are the top two lines. The pieces as to where they should fall sure. eh, up for debate. Third line is your energy line, or your agitative line, or whatever it might be. And the fourth line is the one that you can trust to go out there. They might not be high event hockey, but the point is they go out there and they're your safety valve. They're going to settle things down. You trust them on the ice. Um, you need, and again, that's again part of your your penalty kill will come out of that in that fourth line. For all the faults that Louis Erickson receives, I don't think anyone ever accuses him of being a high risk hockey player. The problem is he's paid to be a high risk hockey player. Yeah, I mean Louis is the epitome of low event hockey, but Canucks could have used a little bit of low event on that fourth line at least. Right. And I, I think that's where there is maybe an opportunity for him, him to come in. Like there was talk about, oh, Sutter out, Louis in. Like, again, there's different ways to make it work. But then, uh, like, I'll use JV18. Who comes out for him to go in? Like, I had only floated the Furland idea yeah. thing. Furland was suspended. I wasn't saying you pull Furland out because he tried to use his uh, hockey stick as a shish kebab. But. Yeah. I mean,. I will say that, yeah, we're talking um, less than 24 hours um, after Michael Furland's first competitive NHL oh, game. Where he, within two minutes, was it first shift, maybe second, decides yeah. to drop the gloves and toss in the bombs. Yeah, which, I mean, from my point of view, I didn't like to see that, but also, who's telling Michael Furland not to play like that? That's his style. That's what he's going to do. So, yeah, if he pulls up, fine. If there are no ill effects, if he seems to be completely with it, I don't think you can pull him out. I don't think that's the right move. Um, so, from my point of view, I don't think Jake gets back in. I don't think that's what's... Travis will want, and I. Well, no, I. I think Jake only gets in with injury at this point. Injury and, suspension. Yeah, but I don't think I particularly see that as a the right move, right go to strategy. For all intents and purposes, the lineup that the Canucks iced yesterday should have 
been good enough. It really should have been, yeah. but it wasn't. So game two is a show me. The problem is in a best of five, you yeah. better be shown in game two. Like, you know, th- there was some awfulizing taking place on, on Canuck social media, obviously, at the after the game. And that should not be a surprise to anyone. Heck, it could have been like the season opener. People like, oh, my God, it's tank. They lost a game. Um, the problem, however, and this actually sure, awfulization took place in our Discord, which if you're not part of, go to discord.io slash C4 Discord, and uh, you'll be able to, to get in. The, the thing about it is that, in a best of five series, the team that wins the first game has a significant advantage over the team that loses. It's just the odds are stacked. It's not best of seven where you lose one. You're like, ah, you know, we still got to, we could actually lose two and we still have a shot. In a best of five, losing two means a reverse sweep. Hmm. Uh, and that that provides zero error from our margin for error. So the Vancouver Canucks do need to win game two. If the Canucks roll the same lineup back, you believe that that lineup is capable of doing it against this Minnesota wild team that we saw with Staylock in the net. Cause they're not, they're not leaving Staylock or not coming from Staylock. He played. Yeah. You know, significantly well. Um, I do think so. My concern will be, they start off too much on the front foot and you know, they're going too mm-hmm. hard and then they make mistakes again. Well, the Vancouver Canucks, and you know, we talked about this over the course of the season and this sort of, you know, the referral that Matt will often say, oh, this is Chris Golden hockey. It's the high event hockey that I love. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm an old man who remembers 80 style hockey where defense was optional. And all you did is you relied on your goaltender to get you that one save so that you could win like seven, five or something like that. The Vancouver Canucks over the course of the season, especially when they were hot earlier on, it wasn't because they were blowing teams out like seven, two, no, they were winning games like seven, five. I feel the Vancouver Canucks do need to come out sort of pedal to the metal. And if the Wild, let's say, do get a goal, that doesn't mean the Vancouver Canucks change style. That just simply means, okay, they need to get into position on the ice and take advantage of that. Um, You know, during social media, people are like, can Francesco start shouting shoot? (laughs) Yeah. Because the Vancouver Canucks were looking like very Sedin-like looking for that perfect pass to get that perfect opportunity. Get into a, a, a high impact part of the ice and, and shoot the puck. Yeah. Okay. If Staylock goes and stands on his head, fine, but you don't score unless you get them shots. Yeah. I completely agree with that. It's funny that um, I saw Eddie Lack tweeted during the game that that was one of the few benefits of not having a crowd is that no one was yelling shoot, but I think a lot of people came back and said they kind of need to be. And, and you know, it's, I, we're not, we're not professional hockey players here. And to almost a player, you often hear this like, Oh, fans yeah. yelling shoot as I an know. educated fan. I look at it as a matter of fans yelling shoot are not telling you that they know where the opportunity exists. They're trying to identify to you that they feel you're not, playing sort of that high event style that they're expecting. You know, fans want to be entertained. You know, I I don't know a game where, and this is even Canucks fans, Canucks Twitter can be crazy at times. If the Vancouver Canucks go up against a team whose goaltender is hot, where they pepper that goaltender, they fire pucks from every which way. And that goaltender does, you know, miraculous things to get their team the win. 
I very rarely see Canucks fans simply, oh man, the Canucks, they needed to pass more. They needed to find better opportunity because to them and to us as fans, we're seeing this high event. We're seeing the chances. Now, is that extra pass going to get that goal? Okay, fine, maybe. But when you're playing against a team like the Minnesota Wild, there's less likelihood you're going to get that extra pass through. The Wild are built to prevent it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the Wild are just going to collapse in and just block those shots through the middle. And it's you're not going to find that perfect angle. Really not. That's not the way they play. They play to prevent that. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, just feels so stupid to be like, you know, talking like an NHL player during an intermission interview, but Parks on Net, like, it's real. Hey, I hear there's another podcast uh, aptly titled that. They might go and steal that now. You'll be forever immortalized in their intro. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I know you're so excited. Um, no, Pucks on Net is important. And the Vancouver Canucks, while they did in the second period and sort of later in the third start throwing the puck at Staylock in the first game, they had sort of squandered that opportunity in the first period. And that might have been sort of the, you know, the tight legs, the the first time they've been on the ice in months. Okay, you know what? That's fine. It's just in the second game, we can't see that what first period warm up. They need to come out ready and raring to go. Now, the other component, and I'm going to start to ask you this, when it comes to line matchups, I think it's safe to say we want to see lines one and two more than we see three and four. Do you think that that'll actually hold true? I mean, obviously it's situational based. Well, special teams aside, like, I mean, yeah, I get like on a penalty kill or a power play, things out the window, but five on five hockey. Right. I felt we saw far more of the third line and technically the fourth line too, than I would have preferred. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to emphasize that part of that discipline is so we see less of those yes. um, special teams, um, PK matchup. And, you know, maybe that is part of it. Miller's just exhausted by it all. Who knows? But um, I agree. And I obviously you want your fourth line to almost be invisible. You don't want them to be making like these big errors that we were seeing them making we just don't want to be talking about our fourth line Mm -hmm. we want them to get out there for the time they are and they do their job and they get off late um so i think it is part of it that we really weren't seeing what we wanted to see from the top two lines but i agree that we want to be ideally on that front foot and using those fast two lines which is where the canucks have the skill gap and mm-hmm. using it to their advantage. True. So before we take another quick break here, before we dive into our last segment of the effort, uh, predictions. Faber, who is formerly a friend of the show, <laughs> uh, he uh, he predicted, obviously, a sweep. That's not happening. Now, if I was on the, the show, I would have said the Canucks in four. Um, I might have actually even suggested the Canucks might lose the first game. Now I'm sort of thinking Canucks in five, and you might say, well, Chris, what's the difference that they lost the first game? He said four. How they lost the first game sort of gives me pause. But I do think the Vancouver Canucks have it in them to win game two. I could see them winning game three. I kind of wonder if maybe the Wild don't come back in four, and I feel the Canucks over a five-game series win out. I agree with you. Um, So I did go back and listen to 
um, both mine and Matt's predictions mm-hmm. um, that we did a few episodes back because um, I was putting them down for my playoff pool and I didn't want to think about it again. So I just thought, mm. I'll just play what I thought earlier. Um, and I did say Canucks in five. Um, so I stand by that. I don't think any of us thought it, Minnesota would be, apart from Chris Faber, thought that Canucks well, would walk this. There were actually a number of, of media that said Canucks in three. Like there were, there were, there were surprisingly more than I would have expected. The safe pick was Canucks in four. And then where you start to get into a very conservative pick was Canucks in five. And once it gets to five, it's almost anyone's series. Sure. But I, I think most people think that Canucks have the edge, mm-hmm. even though a lot of Minnesota media, I think, well, think that Canucks have the edge. But Minnesota have done their best to negate the edge mm-hmm. that Canucks have. I can't remember. I actually don't know if it was a wild player or if it was wild media, but I saw a quote where the per, the perspective was that the Vancouver Canucks didn't respect the wild. Like they weren't taking the wild seriously enough and have now been punished for it. And they actually sort of inferred back in the, I can't remember what year it was, the Canucks wild series where that was, that was essentially it. The wild themselves felt then the Canucks weren't taking this seriously. And you had like Bertuzzi who was, allegedly saying things to Minnesota Wild fans about not buying tickets for game six and, and the like. So, you know, I get that bulletin board media is the, the you know, way that NHL teams operate. It could be that it was manufactured. I'm not going to suggest the Vancouver Canucks underestimated the Minnesota Wild. I actually think it's just more of the one. The team's too young to actually underestimate. I think the team, it's just unfortunately it's youth didn't really explain what playoff hockey is. And while this isn't the playoffs, it is playoff hockey. Yeah. I mean, I agree to disagree. I think there were that too many people are talking about it. Like it's already the playoffs. Well, okay. It's not, okay. I just think we just need to be like, we're not there yet. We need to knuckle down. No, no. But like when I talk about playoff hockey, it, it is like the officiating is going to be more like, the playoff style than a regular season style of a fishing aid we might see, right? When it comes to sort of the effort that you need to provide, like let's say the Canucks lose, heaven forbid they lose game two. Game three is playoffs, right? That's like, it's, it's end of season must win to get in, cannot lose. It's the magic number business. That's playoff hockey. Not all teams get to experience it. In fact, some of the teams that play right through to the last game of the season and win to get in have some of the, better performances in the playoffs. Yeah. Like I'm trying to think there was a, a game I went to years ago that the Vancouver Canucks beat the LA Kings late in the season to win. I had never been in a, a Vancouver Canucks building with that much energy. And I want to say it was this year that they went up against the Detroit Red Wings and entered that series up 2-0 before the beach ball. And obviously things didn't go too well after that. Why was it that the Vancouver Canucks played so well? It's because they almost started playing playoff hockey early and didn't stop. Whereas it took, and again, I want to say it was the Red Wings, took a little bit to warm up. But again, I, it, you're right. I mean, not, it isn't the playoffs yet, but I think the playoff style of hockey is one that they have to start to sort of embrace. Okay. Agree to disagree. Uh, we'll take ourselves a short break here. Uh, you're listening to the C4 Canucks Hockey Podcast on the Full Press Network and CanucksHockeyBlog.com. He liked to say the F word. Who's going to get the f***ing? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, see ya. Oh, oh, oh. He's going to have the F word on it. I wish I could give you an explanation about it. I can't. You, 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 you. Out of here. You said the F word, Dad. You called me the F word. As far as segments go, uh, the F word, uh, this isn't meant uh, based on the play of the F word and actually some etymology here. Uh, the F word was simply capitalizing on the whole Adam of an old Carter. Uh, the F stands for Francis middle initial part. Yeah. Um, and then Adam being angry and him, you know, being angry about something. We've just kept the name of the segment. It's sort of our, our, our third or our second segment as we pop it into our podcast episode. But it is an, uh, a segment where we want to talk about the big issues of the game or the big topics of the game. And the big issue right now is, is the movement behind, you know, social justice. And this is something we've addressed in previous episodes. We're now having an opportunity to talk about how the NHL, is approaching uh, social justice. And I think it's important to understand that this topic is one that needs to be addressed. I'm mm-hmm. seeing far too many people who were to say just, I don't watch hockey and politics shouldn't be in hockey. Politics is completely yeah. in, in sport. It's, it's not to suggest that there are political parties behind teams or whatnot, no. but it, the Politics of sport exists and we see players and we idolize these players and, and I feel they have an important opportunity to, to invest in their, their medium to, to elevate issues of concern. Am I, am I, am I wrong here? No, I I completely agree with you. I think the two things to say to people that say, you know, I don't watch sport for politics is a, you know, some of the issues we're talking about should not be a political up for political debate. The fact that um, black lives matter, the fact that black people are disproportionately killed by police and in um, police custody. That's just a fact. Um, Mm -hmm. And the fact that the NHL, is a predominantly white league. That's a fact also. But yeah, the it's completely true that politics comes into sport all the time, you know, especially in North America. Um, you know, there's veterans nights, there's first responders nights, the fact that they have anthems at all, that's political. You know, and I, just on that note, this is a topic came up in, in Gate 16 and Discord. Um, I think it was friend of the show Nexus had sort of suggested like, you know, I'm, why don't we drop the anthems? It's very North American. Yeah. I, I never, tr- you know, I always thought anthems as part of sport were a thing until as I got older and I started sort of seeing more, and I don't want to say international play, but more international events, events outside of North America. And it's like, oh, okay. The only time you really ever see the anthem is when it is an international, like a world event where you're representing a country. And even then it doesn't happen at the start. It happens often at the end. Like if it does happen at the start, it's usually a friendly event and it's, yeah, so, often a game in North America. Yeah, it happens at international um, games. Um, it did, for example, at the weekend there was the FA Cup final. They did play "God Save the Queen." It's part of the tradition of the FA Cup. Okay. 
It's a bit bizarre, well, but yeah, in general, you don't hear anthems. At yeah, all. like when Arsenal takes on Liverpool, they're not playing "God Save the Queen" no. or yeah. "King," depending on who's on the throne at the given time. Like it's that's not the thing. No, not at all. But um, as much as they don't have the anthems, what they have taken on board in UK sport, as much as it's happening right now, is kneeling. You know, they kneel yeah. before every single game, whether it's cricket, whether it's football. Um, yeah. That's just the dumb thing now. That's the Well, normal. and that this topic came up in the NHL because the, there was an image of a number of NHL players sort of interspersed. Uh, I can't remember which two teams it was. Uh, players sort of opposing players side by side. Uh, U.S. flag up on the screen, and um, it was shared by... Uh, the son of uh, the president of the United States as this is the way sports should be. And then you have a variety of uh, Twitter accounts, uh, you know, trumping it up like, Oh, I'm an NHL fan. I'm an NHL fan. Uh, and then, you know, Matt Dunba uh, this past weekend, uh, not even in a game that he's playing in, mm-hmm. you know, gets on the microphone, you know, shares his feelings and, Quite frankly, he is someone that has the authority to speak. It is not you. It is not me. But he goes and, and, and shares some very important words. And these same people will be like, oh, you know, I can't believe he kneeled for the U.S. anthem. Uh, and that's uh, hockey's dead to me now. Well, kneeling to, as a sign of protest. Not going to lie. I, I don't understand how that's a problem. Like that's yeah. like, you know, you know, we don't, we don't want our podcast to be quote unquote political. We're yeah. very opinionated folk, but we live in a democracy that actually provides people the power to protest. Definitely. And you just think that it's just a shame that you see all the, and it's actually not true anymore that it's the, um, black athletes or athletes of color doing it on their own because there have been um as we speak on the game that has just finished between dallas um and vegas a couple of white athletes took the knee so yeah they're not completely on their own anymore but you just wish it was more of a conversation that it wasn't just athletes of color have to answer and you know matt dumba is on the hockey diversity alliance that is mm-hmm. part of now his remit um but yeah if they're not being consulted on the nhl skates for initiative which is something that they've come up with and given to each team to pick something that they skate for um and i think for example the oilers have picked colby cave which you know great like very important to honor his memory, but it just seems a bit of a mess in terms of the approach. Sure. And I, so I, I just want to rewind. Like when I said that our voices aren't important, I wasn't trying to suggest that we should not speak up. I was simply trying to elevate a voice that can speak with authority that the two yes. of us, uh, us lack. So to make that, that very clear. Yes, I agree. Um, I agree that, you know, where we should be elevating um, people that know about the issue far more than us. Um mm-hmm. But I just think um, more to white athletes than, you know, us average Joes and Josephines here. Um, It's on them to use their privilege to elevate the issue as well. 
Yeah. Now, on the on the topic of of kneeling that you had brought up, it took place between the the Golden Knights and um, the Stars. Where they play in Stars? Thank you. Uh, in the game, where a number of players knelt during the anthems. I and I, this is again, I, I from a hockey perspective, I was actually wondering how how accommodating is kneeling on ice wearing skates? Like the actual execution. I, I don't know what that's like. I'm not trying to discount the effort. Um, but if someone were to do that, like I look at that as like, okay, I completely, I completely understand what you're looking to you, you as a, a hockey player are looking to accomplish. And I have no issue with it. Um, as far as sort of the, the, we skate for initiative, I actually want to sort of tie this to what, you know, major league soccer did. And I know you, you know, take shots at me for my, my following of the major league soccer, but the MLS on the back of every single player's Jersey provided them an opportunity to, to identify what it is that they were playing for. Uh, many elected to play for the likes of, you know, Brianna Taylor. Uh, but then there were others who were playing for, uh, you know, family members impacted by the pandemic uh, to use a, 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 you know, as an example, um, gosh, now I forgot his name, but the starting goalkeeper for the, the Whitecaps, I think it was his, his mother-in-law passed away from right. COVID-19 okay. just before the, the start turn. So for him, that's who he was trying to play for the memory. Cause there's, I mean, the pandemic is still a significant impact to our, our, our day-to-day lives. And that's not trying to take away from something like black lives matter. But I, I feel that there are, are a number of social issues that, that do need to be recognized. And if that's what a player individually chooses to recognize, I'm all for it. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think, yeah, part of my issue with the, you know, standing together for anti-racism and then for the frontline heroes, it not only is messy, but it takes away the focus from both causes because, Mm -hmm. I would say that the space during the anthems and before the games, that it, that's the space for Black Lives Matter yes. as a movement. Um, and because that's the movement, that's what it, if you're part of the global movement, it's not standing up for anti-racism. It's kneeling during the anthem. And, yeah. but I definitely appreciate that. I think um celebrating frontline heroes stuff like that is really important um i just don't think that's a space for it no but that so we're major league soccer like that's prior to kick well essentially kickoff every single player every single official all the referees knelt mm-hmm. started each game like that and it was quite clearly why they were kneeling uh that i think that's where they were trying to find that balance yeah and that seems like they have done that yeah. job to your point though, I think with the NHL, the NHL is trying to, they're trying to be the action, the real life version of, I don't know. You probably saw that, that uh, tweet from brand. It was like white text on, on a black space. I don't know if you saw it, but essentially someone inferred that when black lives matter became as, as compelling as it currently is, a number of brands started to acknowledge it by putting white text on a black background that didn't commit to anything specific. Right. Is is actually very non-specific. And that occurs to me as to how the NHL seems to be approaching this. It's almost as if we want to go through the motions to say that we can go back and we did something, but we want to don't want to do something that might 
potentially, you know, be too out there for fear that it becomes the problem that, oh my goodness, takes away from what it was we were trying to accomplish. It's being, it's doing nothing for the sake of not doing anything. Yeah, I, yeah, definitely. And I think whether NHL have done such a good job, um, as opposed to the other North American major men's sport leagues, um, in terms of organization with testing and everything in terms mm-hmm. of COVID, um, they're falling down here. And I think they just have such a great opportunity and a great platform given how well it's going on that end to show that they can be a leader on that front. No, and actually, and that's a fair, a fair point. NHL has excelled with how they've approached the pandemic. Uh, Major League Baseball, which if you're in our Discord, has is, is like the exact opposite uh, as to their approach and how things are going. And who knows how the NFL, when it fires up, I mean, arguably the top professional league in, in North America, you know, they have much that they could learn from how the NHL is approaching it. But then on the topic of social issues, that's where, yeah, the NHL doesn't. I'm not going to suggest they're falling down. They're just, they're almost stuck in neutral. Yeah, they're not using the opportunity that they have. The one thing I did want to sort of um, wind this conversation up and and it talks about kneeling and ringing anthem. So I'm going to be the first one to admit there have been times in the past where I've actually, when the anthems were being played and I saw someone like I say the White Caps match sitting down or they kept their hat on, I would infer like I would prefer to see someone stand up. I would prefer to see them take their hat off to recognize the anthem. I get that, you know, the anthem may not have the place here, but as it's being played, sort of respect the anthem. That's just, that was my, my take. This is, this is before Colin Kaepernick started kneeling, right? So Colin Kaepernick um, didn't actually start kneeling during the anthem as a form of protest. He just sat down, didn't stand up. Yeah. All the players would stand up, walk to the the sideline. Colin just kept sitting on the, the bench. A U.S. veteran um, reached out to him. He was actually an Army Green Beret. His name is Nate Boyer. He was actually uh, a a veteran who reached out to Colin Kaepernick to say, hey, you know, you sitting down during the anthem upsets me. And, And I'd like to talk to you about it. Colin, to his credit, took Nate up on this opportunity. The two sat down and and discussed this, which is, you know, let's think about it. Professional athlete, U.S. Green Beret, probably diametrically two yeah. different people that would never cross paths in a, in a million years. They had a reasonable conversation where Colin Kaepernick expressed the reasons why he was sitting down during the anthem. Nate Boyer heard this and said, okay, I recognize what you're looking to accomplish. Here, let me tell you how this impacts me. And the two of them came to realize that there was a better way. And what was that better way? It was during the anthem that Colin goes, stands with his team, and kneels. It was Nate Boyer who, again, speaking from this place where people are like, oh, when you're kneeling during the anthem, you're not respecting of those, you know, those uh, of uh, those before us, our veterans, uh, our forefathers, and, and others who who fought hard and, and and stood for the country and the flag. This is a guy who did who said, yeah, you know, we can figure out a better way, and and as a result. If kneeling is ultimately what upsets you, I'm going to assure you it's not kneeling that's upsetting you. It is not the act of of kneeling down there in the anthem that you're truly upset about. There's something else that upsets you. Yeah. And it's important to recognize that what that is, you need to figure out because I will, 
I will bet that for someone who is upset about the kneeling and figures out what that issue is, you might then realize, oh, actually, that's not truly problematic. Like, I don't know. Like, I, uh, my grandfather was a pilot during World War II. I truly don't know how he would feel or how he would respond. I have a guess that he probably would look at a Colin Kaepernick kneeling and be upset, but I would reasonably be able to have the conversation with my grandfather to explain, well, what is it that he's looking to do? Like he's doing exactly what you allow, you fought to allow him to do. Exactly. So why is that? Why is that the problem? Like, is that is, and I, I, my grandfather, he was a pretty smart guy. He would probably first say, well, yeah, he could totally do this, but here's how I see it. And see, this is now where the conversation's changing. Now we're, we've moved off the, the act. We're actually getting to the point of what he's interpreting, the message that he's reading into and not fully understanding what the message that, you know, someone like Colin Kaepernick or, or Matt Dunba, you know, during uh, the game a few nights ago, or what we saw the golden Knights and, and, and uh, stars players do tonight. Like, again, that's the act of kneeling is not what you're probably upset with. I couldn't put it better. I think you're hundred percent right. We're at the stage now where we know what it means. We know what they're kneeling for, and it's not anything to do with the flags or, um, you know, not being patriotic. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have my own concerns about, you know, the American concept and how they look at patriotism. But this is a separate issue. This is, you know, um, I'm just going to quickly borrow words from Brooke McGillis, um, who's now an activist. Um, and a lot of what he says is, you know, I'm not saying these things because I hate hockey. I'm saying them because I love hockey and I want to make it better. And I know that that's what Matt Dumba and Colin Kaepernick and everyone that's kneeling during the anthem wants is they want their country to be better because they love it. Yeah. And that, that's so well said because who doesn't want things to be better. Definitely a tough topic. And while I can appreciate there are some of you out there that listen to our podcast who be like, well, I don't tune into you guys to, to, you know, talk about this. Unfortunately, it's just part of it. Like we, it's life. Yeah. Almost. We wish we didn't have to talk about it, but it's an issue right now. So that's, it's part of the sport. So we're, it is. And that. You know, and this, you know what, we're not going to tell you this will be the last time we'll, we'll discuss it. I mean, if there's one thing about our podcast, one thing about C4, one thing since the start of this podcast, way back when, when Clay and I fired up the mic in my, my condo here, we've never looked to shy away from, from top because this, because again, to what you and I said at the start of the episode, C4 is about a bunch of people with, you know, different views talking like any one of us would do about the game, about the life. Uh, about the world today while watching a game at the bar. This is what this podcast is about, and it'll continue to be the case. I can assure you these types of conversations happen, and you've probably taken part of them. Our podcast is no different. That's a tough episode. Yeah. But I think it's a, a valuable one, and I think it, it was important to, to have this opportunity to talk, yeah. you know, as we have. I mean, and yeah. At the end of the day, it's it's something that needs to be discussed. And yeah, I'm glad I to have... share a virtual drink at the bar with you and pull up a stool and talk about it with you. And yeah, as we say, if it comes up again, we'll talk about it again. Yeah. 
Speaking of uh, virtual drinks, I was drinking a coffee just before we hit record. What were you drinking? I actually was as well. I did. Mm, I see? did. I did have a beer in the park earlier, except I didn't because that's illegal. Um, was it? Was it? It was a sneaky beer. Yeah. That was. Yeah, it was because <laughs> the Vancouver parks are not a laugh. Um, but yeah, I'm already on the coffee because I'm getting old now. Just one uh, beer made me tired. Welcome to my world. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, we we are sitting here having coffee, talking puck, talking hockey. We've got the Vancouver Canucks playing today. You'll be listening to this this podcast, hopefully before they play. Uh, if not, you'll be listening to the podcast after the play. Hopefully they win. I think I'm, I'm predicting the Vancouver Canucks win game too. Yeah, me too. Yeah. But uh, we will be back at the same place, same time a week from now. We'll continue to podcast weekly. Uh, as long as the Canucks continue to play hockey. Now, what does that mean if for some reason, heaven forbid, they stop playing hockey? We'll obviously keep in touch. But the easiest way to stay on top of everything that's related to the C4 podcast is to be part of our Discord. Like the best conversations take place in Gate 16. Uh, off topic, we keep track of almost everything else. Sometimes it's other hockey teams. Sometimes it's MLB. Sometimes it's video games. Sometimes it's the weather. Yeah. We've got like a drinking game that's apparently going to start up soon because of how the you know community is. Like if Anna mentions cricket or Jessica mentions cricket, that's a drink. Yeah. So, and I already did that today. So. Yeah. But and I'm going to do you that. Know, if, you know, uh, Peter Canuck, uh, who's extremely shameless or, or Nexus were to disagree on something. That's a, that's a drink. Or is it a drink if they agree? Because them agreeing is much more rare than them disagreeing. No, I think you're supposed to drink when usual things happen. Okay, so then it's a disagree. A okay. disagreement. And if um, Adam ever appears on Discord, which does well, happen. That, that, that's, a, that's a shotgun. That's like not yeah, just you, a that's drink. That's a shotgun for sure. You have to yeah, down it's your like drink. Where, wherever you happen to be, if you don't have a drink in hand, you have to stop. Go get one. Shotgun. Like it's the rule. Yeah. I mean, just point out, we're not we're not actually suggesting that it has to be alcoholic. It's implied it's a drink. You read into whatever drink but means to you. If anyone has any more suggestions for things that happen either on the show or in Discord regularly enough that they should be made into the drinking game rules. Yeah, just come into Discord and suggest it to us. Yeah, most definitely. So any final words of wisdom that you want to share with the, all of our listeners there, Anna? Well, this time next week, whatever happens. We'll know how Canucks have fared in this playing series. So I hope we're talking from a get excited from the playoffs. It's all happening perspective. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we'll have to see. Um, for me, don't be alarmed if I'm not here next week because I'm not. I mean, it's not like I'm playing like the I'm on, I'm off, I'm on, I'm off. Some of it has to do with my, my work schedule these days. Um, the pandemic, as it has with many people impacted work, my work is still happening. It's just now I support, you know, a global company, which makes time zones fun. But I'm actually on vacation next week. So it'll be yourself, Anna, because you're always here. You're like the most consistent one. Yeah. We I'm like, like that weird A4 st- podcast now. Weird stain on the wall. I'm not going anywhere. Everyone has a weird stain on the wall. <laughs> I was going to say, I would have described you much better than that, but okay. Um, hopefully Matt will be back. Adam's still on the LTIR, not even inside of a bubble, but who knows? Maybe he makes a surprise and then maybe he drives 16 hours like Francesco did and he yeah, makes a late entrance into the bubble. Into the bubble. 
Yeah. But uh, no, I won't be here next week. And it's not because I'm unfit to podcast. It's uh, that uh, the family and I are, are going away. Uh, we're going to go up and visit the in-laws for a bit. You know, our bubble's small. Their bubble is non-existent. So yeah. I think it's important Take to, advantage, to yeah. The one thing that is going to be real fun is the ferries because we couldn't get a reservation to get up there. So the plan is to head up on a Friday and hopefully get on a boat sometime that day. I mean, I don't want to scare you, but you're going to the Sunshine Coast, right? Yeah. Um, I didn't when I went the Canada Day weekend, and we mm-hmm. didn't make it on as foot passengers on the way back. So we have a reservation on the way back. Okay, we did get a res- reservation on the way back. That's not a problem. It's the way up, and uh, yeah, is sort of what it is. Yeah, make sure you have those Paw Patrol episodes lined up on Baby Force's oh, yeah. iPad. I, I I I got them on her her tablet. I got them on my tablet in case her tablet. Yeah, trust me. You know, parenting uh, advice 101, I'm starting to learn the lessons the hard way, but I don't continue to have to be taught them. Yeah. But uh, no, uh, thanks for everyone for tuning into this episode. As always, you can find us on CanucksHockeyBlog.com or just go to C4Podcast.com. That just shoots you right over to our podcast episode listenings. We can find us on pretty much every single podcast application out there. And if you've made it to this point, do us a favor. Leave us a review wherever it is that you listen to our podcast or go to PodChaser.com slash C4Podcast. The reason why leaving a review is so important is it helps us uh, be recognized by others. And in turn, it's probably the best way that you can support this, this podcast, uh, sharing it with friends and family, as is our practice. You give us a review, good review, bad review. We read it verbatim. Five stars. It sucks. Yeah. Or one out of five stars and is awesome. I mean, that's perfectly fine. We've, and I want to point out, we, we, we were, you and I were sort of chatting about this. We've had some bad reviews. We've actually read bad reviews. Don't think that we won't. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, drop a bad review, have fun with it. Not to scare you off, but you, you'll you get the, the time to shine, your five minutes of fame. You'll have to tune into the episode again because you'll want to obviously hear us read it. Yeah, it's one of the best ways to get your voice on the show because we will read out the review. So, yeah. And then, as I mentioned already, uh, you know, get into our Discord. Um, Discord.io slash C4 podcast is the, the easiest way to, to get in on the action. Um, but uh, we are also on Twitter and Facebook at the C4 Podcast. So on behalf of Anna at A4Site03, myself, Chris at Lightforce, the uh, currently unfit to podcast Matt Lee 60, or Matt Lee at Matt Lee underscore 61, and the didn't make it inside the bubble on the LTIR, Adam Omano Carter at Adam FOC. I'm going to sign off this episode with those magical two words. We out.